Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. When we're at our weakest, that's when we can lean on the everlasting arms. That's when we discover that truth. That got any rivers that you think that are impossible? We have a God who specializes in parting the rivers. And so God's preparation for us is all of the past things. Look back on your past, not with some negative eye of unbelief or ungratefulness or unthankfulness, but look at it with the eye of faith. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that a relief? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, our circumstances often lead us to a place where we must realize that nothing can be done through our own power, decisions, or actions. While hard times are not pleasant, God uses these times to shape our understanding of His will and ultimate control over our situations. When we realize that we are too weak to accomplish anything without Christ, we come to a wonderful understanding of how our relationship with Him should work to begin with. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. They forgot what they had done, the wonders that he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. Verses 40 to 43, how often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him in the wasteland. Again and again, they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day he redeemed him from the oppressor, the day he displayed his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders in the region of Zoan. These people saw incredible miracles, but yet didn't believe. Miracles don't always produce faith in the heart of people or faithfulness in God's people's lives. God sometimes does incredible things in people's lives, but their lives don't show it. It didn't for the people of Israel. And so these children of Israel are marching around. Now God is providing every day for them. What would you say about a family that for 40 years, experienced God's miraculous provision. I mean, they can tell you stories of God's provision. They could tell you of God's guidance. Doesn't mean that they've obtained all that God wanted them to obtain because that's the story of the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. God provided manna every day for them. God made sure that their clothes didn't wear out. God guided them every day by pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God did all those things because people are experiencing the blessings of God doesn't mean that they're where God wants them to be. They could still be living far below God's purposes and plans. And so here these Israelite young people were, uh, had all of these lessons. And now they come up to this river, but all of those lessons God was preparing them. God was speaking to them. 
God was speaking into their hearts. Your own personal failures, the failures of those around you, the successes, the victories, all of them are preparing you. I remember talking to uh, Brother Bongiorno, and he said something very significant to me. He said, all of his pastoral experiences sort of built one upon another to prepare him for his office when he became superintendent. He could see how God was preparing him. And, you know, I think that's true in all of our lives. God is using our experiences, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly. He's preparing us to achieve in him the destiny that he has for us, the destiny that he has for the body of Christ. But they can be wasted and lost and slip away. The younger generation, all they knew was this desert, walking around 40 years. Desert is a terrible place to live, especially the Sinai Peninsula. I mean, it's awful. Burning hot during the day. I mean... Just think about those scorpions and snakes and all of that stuff. Just not my type of lifestyle. But you know what happens? You can get used to things, become accustomed to it, and say, boy, I like it. There are nomads who wouldn't think of moving out of the desert. Some people become so accustomed to a certain lifestyle that it's so discomforting to change. They like their addictions. They like their troubled marriage. They don't like it, but they like it. They like where they're at. And God is constantly prodding, speaking, trying to move them across the Jordan. Is God urging you this morning across that barrier into a land of promise of spirituality that he placed in your heart, a dream of, an aspiration for. This younger generation could think back to that previous generation and think of lost opportunities at every funeral service. When it comes time for you to die, not what will the preacher say over you. We'll see the best. We'll say the best. And people are generally kind at funerals, and that's the way it should be. But will you leave earth thinking, you know, I feel like I gave or achieved only 10% of what I should have achieved. I should have been in that promised land. I should have had more. God is giving us the opportunity to take all those accumulative experiences, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, all of those things, and look at them through the lens of faith and build on them and achieve through them his purposes. Listen to these words. The tissue of the life to be, we weave with colors all our own. And in the field of destiny, we reap what we have sown. The tissue of the life to be, we weave with colors all our own. And in the field of destiny, we reap what we have sown. God may deal you a bad hand, but he doesn't mean for it to hurt you. 
He means for it to help you. He means for you to prosper in the midst of difficulties. Job could have thought, my plight means my utter demise, but God meant his sufferings to be his platform, which he would preach through the generations to come that God is greater than our circumstances. And so our past is preparatory to bringing us up to the Jordan. Now, the present obstacles. Here they are at a a rushing, raging river. The present obstacle in verse 15. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest time. If you're a strategist, you think, why in the world this time of year? Lord, why during Easter and Pentecost? Because that's when it would have been. Why when the river is at flood stage? Couldn't we pick a better time? Don't you feel that way in your life at times? God, you want me to cross over this river now? You want me to overcome this obstacle now? The timing isn't the best Now, I could imagine some people in the camp saying, wait a minute, sit here three days. You know what it's like here three days? At night, all we hear is this rushing, raging river, sweeping debris. And I don't know if ever you have been near a flood. You could hear sometimes boulders at the bottom of the river clanging together. It's a horrible sound. So they would hear all of this noise. They would have just... Watch during the day this rushing river going past. I could imagine some of them saying, listen, let's go around the other way. Let's travel down the river several miles, a better passing. Besides, the inhabitants of the land can see us. Jericho's right down the road, and that's the gate to Canaan, and it's right at the entrance there. Imagine trying to get through that river. What will happen to us? The invading armies will come down on us. This is just not good timing. When it comes to your timing and God's timing, they're never the same. At least it seems that way to me. At least it seems that, God, this would be a better time, but no. God wanted them to see For three long days, the impossibility of their circumstances. Until you realize how impossible your circumstances are, until you get to the point when you realize that you cannot help yourself, that it's not going to be, in a sense, John Wayne marching into some town and you're going to be like a hero and you're going to just overcome your circumstances and your wisdom and strength and skill, until you come to the very end of your rope and you recognize, Lord, unless you help me, I will not be helped at all, you're not going to be able to see and experience God's deliverance. God brings us purposely to that place where we come to an end in ourselves and realize unless God does it, it's not going to be done. Laura Wilkinson in the 2000 Olympics was going for the gold and she was In the 10-meter platform diving competition, the first two rounds, Laura was in dead last out of eight competitors. 
Now, she had been the U.S. champion in the event, but she had a broken foot, and it was painful, and she couldn't take any drugs for it. On, I believe it was the third dive, she actually scored a 9.0 and an 8.5, and she began to rise, and finally she won the competition with a broken foot. And the NBC correspondent reporter stated this to her. He said, you're the most enthusiastic athlete I've ever met. How did you maintain your smile in spite of all the pain? How did you come from behind? Listen to her response. Laura, through tears of joy, looked directly into the camera and said, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. On national television, witness to the Lord. When we can't do it on our own, when we're at our weakest, that's when we can lean on the everlasting arms. That's when we discover that truth, that got any rivers that you think that are impossible. We have a God who specializes in parting the rivers. And so God's preparation for us is all of the past things. Look back on your past, not with some negative eye of unbelief or ungratefulness or unthankfulness, but look at it with the eye of faith, seeing how God redeems those things. But beyond that, look at the present obstacles as God's appointment. He put you at the Jordan at flood tide when it would be the greatest overflowing its banks when in the normal and the natural, nobody is going to pass over it. Now, second point, the direction for crossing over. We looked at the preparation, you know, God working in our lives and God's guidance in our lives. The direction. You know what Joshua tells them in 3.5? Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. I love that. Consecrate yourself. That meant they were to separate, they were to prepare. Uh, I'm sure in the Jewish tradition they would do, go through certain washings, certain rituals. Uh, God was saying, prepare your mind. Prepare your heart. Prepare your spirit. See, we could come into his holy presence and we could miss him. The Jews did. Remember earlier? Well, let me read from Deuteronomy. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw the great trials, those miracles, signs, and great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. There are people that walk in the presence of the miraculous, that see supernatural things but yet don't see them. The disciples were with Jesus and he multiplied the bread, the fish, and they didn't comprehend that miracle. He told them that and he searched them out for them. He said, you didn't understand, you didn't see. It's possible to be in the presence of Christ and not see his wonder-working power, not recognize his hand. And that's why Joshua said, you got to consecrate yourself. How do we prepare ourselves to come into this place of worship? 
I tell you, as a general rule, I never go out on Saturday nights. Every Saturday night, I meditate on that message. I pray. I'm going back over things. Saturday is a work day for me, generally. I spend that in the presence of God, preparing my heart for Sunday morning. I pray that somehow you'd spend time in preparation for this encounter with God on a Sunday morning. You know how the enemy is. You're driving to church, and doesn't the enemy come? Your spouse starts an argument with you. You never started with them. They started with you. You know, or the children, something happens. Why is it always before church? What do you think? Remember Queen Esther? She spent one whole year in preparation for the day when she would meet her king. She was bathed and perfumed and bathed and perfumed and one whole year in preparation to be with the king. Beloved, we need to spend time in preparation because we're coming into the presence of the king and unless we come with consecrated eyes and consecrated hearts and consecrated minds and souls prepared and ready to receive, God could speak and we could never hear and we might miss some of the grandest miracles of the presence of God walking in our midst. He calls them to consecrate. Finally, they're committed to follow. Again and again, you see in chapter 3, the ark. The covenant of the ark, the covenant of the ark, the covenant of the ark. Nine times in chapter 3, I believe, 27 times in the book of Joshua, the ark of the covenant is mentioned. Now, the ark of the covenant was to be about a half a mile or so in front of the people. And they were to follow that ark. He didn't want the people looking at anything else but that ark. That ark represented God's covenant relationship, his presence with his people. I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That ark was a pretty good replica of the biblical ark. They had it in a pot of manna and the Ten Commandments and other objects that were sacred to the people of Israel that spoke of God's deliverance and relationship with them. And he said, now, make sure the ark is right out in front. He didn't want them to see anything else but the ark. In the biblical text that we read, God says in the private to Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to magnify you in the eyes of the people. Now, Joshua goes out immediately after God speaks to him, and he speaks to the soldiers, the generals, he speaks to the people, but he says nothing about that. He says, God is going to be magnified in your midst and glorified. It's interesting, Joshua didn't need the strokes. Even though he recognized his inadequacy, really important there, flesh should not obscure the glory of God. Moses would have spent his life in obscurity in the backside of the desert had not God come to him. Joshua would have spent his life trembling and in fear had not God come to him. It's the glory and the presence of God that made 
Moses, Moses, and Joshua, Joshua. And so we never look at Moses and we never look at Joshua, but we do look to the God who made them and we look beyond Moses and beyond Joshua to God. And it's the same with the church. We look beyond the church, the institutions and the leadership and all of that. Now, leadership ought to try and do its very best and should be held to a higher standard, all of those things. But I tell you, they have feet of clay. And when we come into this place, we're looking for the ark of the covenant of God. We're looking for the presence of the Lord. Because... If his presence doesn't go before us, we don't want to go anywhere. But if it does, we want to go where he is. And so the old songwriter is right when he said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of life will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're sometimes so interested in getting from A to B our idea is, okay, if I get over to Canaan, no matter how I get there, let me read to you a quote from Chuck Swindoll. Our human tendency is to focus solely on our calling, where we should go, how we should get there, what we should do. God's concern is the process that will mature us and make us more like his son. God is the potter. We are the clay. Not one of us is qualified to grasp the first particle of why God does what he does when he does it and how he chooses to do it. God's concerned about our hearts, what's happening to us. See, God was preparing them at the Jordan to take the land. He wanted them to know his miraculous power because they were going to have to depend on that power all through their conquest. And when they didn't and when they offended God, their battle was lost. But when they honored him, followed him, acknowledged him, they received the promise. Every one of your days was ordained before one of them came into being, every one of them written in his book at every baby dedication. I love reading that passage. That baby, that bundle of life with so much promise and possibility has a plan, a plan so great, so wonderful, beyond their imagination. And the key is God. How do you get there? Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. I want to conclude with just a quote from T.S. Eliot, the great missionary. Destiny waits in the hand of God, not in the hands of statesmen. Your destiny cannot be hindered, cannot be hampered, cannot be stopped by any man or institution or situation or circumstance of life. If you follow God, His directions, God's going to take you into the promised land. He's going to take you 
where you need to be. Joshua is one of the most mighty warriors in all of the Bible. From the spies who were hidden by Rahab to the story of the walls of Jericho, throughout this book of Joshua, Pastor Ed will continue to point us to the Lord, sharing with us wonderful insights each time he teaches. Though Joshua isn't a book many study, it is rich with content that we apply to our daily lives as we walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Joshua. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.